Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With your host, Andrew Donaldson, this is Herd Tell. Ah, welcome back to Hertel. Okay, we've leaned on him this entire midterm season. He's had a couple of weeks off with not a whole lot going on. Boy, did this make up for it, though, this past Tuesday. We got some big-name races, a lot of stuff to go through. Joe Zemanski, he is the uh, head of Elections Daily's Daily Race Ratings team. Uh, he's one of these George Mason kids, but we'll forgive him that because he brings good information. How are you, sir? Great to have you back. Oh, great to be back, Andrew. Uh, I am running on... Uh... Last night's energy and vibes right now, running about four and a half hours of sleep from last night. But, you know, I love it. Yeah, when we have these Western, one of the reasons we waited an extra day to cover this was these were Western races, especially Arizona and Washington. So we knew we weren't going to have the results. Um, Let's just start right there. Big ticket item. Arizona still waiting on some results. Where are we as of the recording of this uh, afternoon of Wednesday for Thursday's program? Where are we at? Yeah, so uh, in Arizona right now, uh, in the Senate race, obviously they had two key massive uh, Republican primaries. Uh, the Senate primary uh, to go up against Mark Kelly for the full term in that Senate seat, and as well as the governor's race to finish off against, uh, uh, to replace Doug Ducey. Uh, the Senate primary on that side has already been called Blake Masters, as expected as the Republican nominee there. However, in the gubernatorial race, uh, we have not yet called, no one has yet called that race. Uh, Kari Lake, the Trump-endorsed former anchorwoman who's gone through a certain amount of controversy, is up by about 11,300 votes right now. It's not a big lead right now for Lake. What we're mainly waiting on right now, it seems like, is late-arriving votes in from Maricopa County. Uh, It'll be very interesting to see. These are apparently early votes I've seen online. Uh, We're still waiting on some Election Day vote for some of these places, but otherwise right now, it seems like this is all going to be coming down to the late-arriving early vote in Maricopa County, and we'll tend to see Robson, Robson, from what I've been told, needs to win that batch by about six and a half points. If she does, she will overtake Lake. If she does not, then Kari Lake is the nominee, and thus setting up that race in Arizona. Now, of course, we've been talking about Maricopa County since 2020 <laughs> election, because that was ground zero for all the hot mess out in Arizona. Kari Lake has been talking about it nonstop. Uh, the MAGA wing of the Republican Party has been talking about it nonstop. If this lingers, Carrie Lake was starting with election nonsense before this. they even started voting on Monday and Tuesday. How ugly is this going to get the closer it is? Do we need a definitive winning just for the good of the voting public here, or is this going to devolve and get really ugly really fast? Yeah, if this stays a close race, this is this is undoubtedly going to get ugly. A report say that Lake has already hired the notorious uh, fake lawyer uh, Jenna Ellis to potentially defend her or to uh, litigate voting results in Arizona. 
come uh, this primary. So it'll be really, really interesting to see kind of what comes from that there. Because, you know, like I said, if these Maricopa ballots, even if, you know, Robeson doesn't win them by enough, if she wins them and thus, you know, tightens this race down to a percent or maybe even less than that, then this this is going to be a very, very close election. Very much like the Pennsylvania Senate race, where it's not going to be done yet, potentially for another couple of weeks here as we kind of go through the motions of potentially dealing with a recount. Does this help or hurt? Uh, the Republican chances going forward. There's already been talk about all if it's Carrie Lake because of all the controversy, because of all the baggage that might change this race a little bit. If this drags on, though, does that hurt them going into the general election and what's probably going to be a pretty tight one? I I think it's a pretty undeniable thing that it would hurt uh, the Republican Party uh, in Arizona. I mean, the Arizona Republican Party is as as a structure is already kind of weak as it is currently. Uh, you know, I, I think a continued long drawn out uh, primary count here, and especially in this gubernatorial race, especially with Kari Lake being right in the center of it, uh, it's it would be damaging, I think, to the general election. And I think it could potentially make things very volatile for November. Obviously, we've seen uh, candidates come together before under tough circumstances. But this this is this has been a bloody race already. Uh, if we continue to see it get bloodier after the count. Uh, this is this is going to be hard to, I think, come together for the November election in Arizona, for sure. Katie Hobbs is awaiting. Uh, she won the Democratic primary very handily. It was a quick call for her. Uh, oddly enough, she's technically in charge of these elections, although there's there's some nomenclature there to be involved. How do you rate it? I know it's hard to do, and we don't know the person yet, but where's this race going to stand? In fact, just do it one way or the other. Is there going to be a mark? Is this like one of those things like Mastriona where it could swing it one way or the other just because of who the nominee is, or is this just going to be a bloodbath all the way through? Uh, personally, I think even even if it's Kari Lake, the big difference between this race and Pennsylvania is that Katie Hobbs is no Josh Shapiro. Uh, Hobbs has some baggage of her own. There's been a lot of claims uh, coming from her office of Secretary of State and from her campaign of a uh, very bad work environment, of a potentially abusive work environment. Uh, there's been claims of discrimination from her Secretary of State office from former employees there. Uh, you know, even with Kari Lake, Hobbs is not as strong as, say, a Josh Shapiro in terms of, you know, uh, just general cleanliness, I would say, in, in terms of scandal. Hobbs does have some baggage to her. She's certainly not a perfect candidate for Arizona Democrats. Uh, honestly, if Karen Taylor Robeson were to pull this out, uh, looking at the candidates themselves and looking at Arizona as a state, in you could, in theory, actually make a stronger argument for Weems Republican in that regard than you could for toss-up, even if I think Lake versus Hobbs. This is still a toss-up race. This is still Arizona. Uh, we should not forget how close this state was in 2020, this was a state that was decided by only 11,000 votes. People, let's be, let's be, especially in the presidential election, this was an 11,000 vote race. Let's be very, very clear and honest where we find ourselves on that stand. This is going to be a close race in this open gubernatorial race with no incumbent with what's going on. It's going to be a tight race. Uh, this is a toss up race, even if Carly Lake is the nominee. All right, let's finish up Arizona over on the Senate side. There's some undercard stuff that's not quite. We'll revisit that later because we're gonna we're gonna be talking about Maricopa County and the election stuff at a future date. But for now, big picture stuff. Uh, Blake Masters won his race. Mark Kelly is waiting for him. It's not gotten a lot of press, but Mark Kelly has been an absolute money print uh, for the Democratic Party. He is one of the best fundraisers they have. He has gobs of money. 
the way the primary has gone down, he's just kind of been riding along, not really being involved in anything. Like Masters has got a lot of backing. He's one of Peter Thiel's guys. He's at that camp with J.D. Vance and some other ones. This is going to be a very expensive fight. I suspect this one gets ugly in a hurry. How do you rate it? Uh, right now, this is definitely a toss-up race. Uh, again, even with Masters, and Masters is another one who could arguably have some baggage. Uh, there are some past quotes from past articles and things he's written. Uh, there's some current quotes now from the campaign. There's a quote uh, that he said that he would defund Social Security, which while I'm sure there are multiple Republicans out there who would support the idea of that uh, in a state like Arizona, where there are numerous uh, uh, elder individuals that make up the voting base, there is a lot of boomers that depend on Social Security for that uh, fixed income. You know, that is a that is a problematic statement for sure. This is still a toss up race. Though I would say that the fundamentals would support Kelly a little bit more in terms of potentially making this a lean Democratic race than, say, the gubernatorial race does. Kelly is an incumbent. And again, I, I want to mention 2020 again. I want to bring this up. Don't forget that Kelly did overperform Joe Biden by a pretty significant amount uh, in Arizona in 2020 when he was running concurrently in that special election uh, against Martha McSally. It was uh, he he ran about a point and a half above Joe Biden in that regards. Uh, I don't think that's something that should be overlooked either uh, in regards to this race. Uh, Kelly does seem to potentially have some semblance of a stronger, you know, ability as a can as a candidate, maybe especially around the Tucson area. He was relatively stronger than uh, Biden was there in that Tucson area, especially in 2020. So that's going to be a key area here in this. Uh, 2022 race is going to be that Tucson area around Pima County. That'll be a key area to see if uh, Kelly continues over overperformance there, or if he's kind of dragged down into a much closer race thanks to the environment that we could potentially be expecting. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. One last note on Arizona. It's not been talked about because the people that are running for office has been sucking up all the attention. What is Doug Ducey's future, do you think? He he appeals to certain parts of the Republican Party. He's had some success as governor by certain metrics. Uh, some of the other mess, he, he hasn't even gotten really in all the stuff about the election stuff. That all kind of went on underneath him. He seemed to be able to stay above that to a large extent. What do you reckon his future is and next step for that guy is? He's kind of in an interesting spot, isn't he? Yeah, there's been a lot of talk that Ducey is looking into 2024 as a time where he could run for Senate. Uh, if he decides he wants a future in politics, that's basically it for him. Uh, he's certainly no sure thing to win that primary in 2024. But from what I've heard, that is currently his target right now. Is that 2024 race against Kirsten Cinema and or Ruben Gallego uh, when that Democratic primary will almost assuredly go down in 2024? 
I'll give him respect just for waiting after ending his governorship before jumping to another race. I'll give him that much. And that is a primary that is going to be very ugly. So there is a very good chance, even in a purple state, that's very contentious. Uh, that ain't bad strategy at all, is it? Because cinema is definitely going to be a target by her own party, isn't she? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, Ruben Gallego, uh, the current, I believe he is the, uh, seventh uh no he's the third district now they redid the they did they redid some of the numbers excuse me so he is now the third district uh rep under the under renumbering of uh areas in the congressional district he's the third he's a uh, part of the phoenix area and he's relatively progressive so it'll be interesting to see kind of where that race lies because he's been basically uh trending towards challenging cinema since uh since the middle of the year so we'll see where that goes when we get there in next in the next year and a half Okay, the feel-good story for those of us that follow politics and have anything vaguely resembling integrity and a conscience and a soul. Uh, let's go over to Missouri real quick, the show me state. Before we even get into it, thank God Eric Greetens lost. And he lost soundly. It wasn't even close. He was a distance third. Um, I don't want to even get into all of it. He, of course, resigned as governor. He's had more scandals since then. He's embroiled in a really ugly divorce custody case with even more abuse allegations. Boy, this is just a good old-fashioned win for America in good faith, don't you think? I would have to say uh, definitely a early uh, evening sigh of relief. Missouri counted relatively quickly uh, in regards to most of the other states that we saw last night. That's because Missouri, compared to most of the other states that we saw last night, actually has a pretty limited early and mail-in voting period. So most of the votes that we saw from the get-go were election day votes uh, in Missouri. That allowed for a pretty quick counting process. By around 9 p.m., it was pretty clear that Eric Schmidt was going to be a Republican nominee. And by a pretty soundly way, too, uh, Greitens, actually, he had been projected to be in second by a good chunk of late polling. In the end, he fell in third. Uh, Vicki Hartzler, you could actually argue, probably overperformed in her congressional district area a little bit. Uh, and, and the central part of the state as well, too, around around uh, Columbia, the Jefferson City area. She maybe overperformed her expectations there a little bit. Uh, but Eric Schmidt ran away in the St. Louis area and those exurban suburbs there, crucial to the Republican vote there, totally ran away in that eastern part of the state. And uh, that's what really drew him to victory and certainly a big sigh of relief for Republicans uh, that Eric Schmidt will be joining fellow attorney, uh, fellow former Missouri Attorney General uh, Josh Hawley in the halls of the United States Senate. Almost certainly we have this ready to say far. The only candidate that we would have even considered moving this race away from Safar with is with Greitens, and uh, he is far, far away from that Senate seat now. So uh, uh, Eric Schmidt, uh, almost, almost certainly, I don't want to say certainly because you never know, but almost certainly will be heading to United States and to replace Roy Blunt uh, in, after the 2022. And the thing about that is uh, Cook agreed with you. They actually swung this as soon as this was announced. They had the same feeling that Greetings would have put this in danger. Uh, he's going to go up against Trudy Bush Valentine. That's not Bush's in the Texas Bush. That's Bush's in the Anheuser dynasty Bush's. But since he's probably going to win and he's favored to win, who is Eric Schmidt? Because we spent a lot of time talking about all the others. Uh, Trump endorsed both Eric's kind of somewhat funnily. I don't know if that was on purpose or not. We'll just leave that for some other time. Who is this guy, though? Uh, Eric Schmidt is the current attorney general of Missouri. Uh, he's uh, actually been described as one of the more right wing attorney generals uh, in America. Uh, but he kind of uh, got his uh, gains back after post Roe, after the post Dobbs decision, actually. Uh, he took a lot of advantage of that, pretty much acted immediately to basically ban abortion in the state of Missouri. Uh, that uh, since that moment uh, in, you know, around what was that, June, late May, early June. Uh, when when that occurred, 
uh, when that decision was handed down. Excuse me, late late June. Excuse me, late June that decision came down officially from the Supreme Court. Uh, Schmidt acted very quickly. That brought up a lot to him. Uh, that brought him a lot of certainly a lot of uh, notoriety among the uh, American, uh, the Missouri gubernatorial base here. Uh, this is a guy who has certainly. Uh, basically done the job here that you would that you would think a Republican attorney general would do if he'd want to run for higher office here. And uh, yeah, that's that's basically it. He'll be another relatively right wing member of the GOP Senate caucus, not, you know, and probably extreme right wing, but he'll be another incredibly right wing member of that caucus, as to be expected when you come from a state like Missouri. Uh, he'll be certainly part of that more conservative wing of that Senate caucus on the Republican side. Big picture, we talked about Arizona being a swing state now. Georgia's looking like it's getting a little more purple as you go. Missouri's gone the other way. It used to be a swing state. I don't think we can call it a swing state anymore, can we? No, I mean, it uh, It looked pretty gone in 20, uh, 2016 after Trump pretty massively overperformed expectations there. Uh, 2018, obviously, then Democratic Senator Claire McCaskill uh, lost her race uh, for re-election in the United States Senate to Josh Hawley, even though it was a Democratic wave year. Uh, again, 2020, a pretty heavy Republican sweep. Uh, 2022 is off the radar. Uh, it's been a very quick shift to Missouri. Uh, there's been some gains in the St. Louis suburbs, but not nearly enough to change to from the dark, but not super dark red to now the very, very dark red, basically everywhere else but Kansas City, parts of Missouri now. Uh, a lot of these other exurban and rural areas have shifted very heavily to Republican Party, and it's going to make it very, very hard for Democrats to win that state. Uh, in any race, quite honestly, for probably a little while here. Yeah, Joe Zemanski, elections-daily.com. They do great work. Long, like They actually had to take a break in the live stream last night because it's so long. Make sure you're watching our live stream coverage of these things. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we got a couple more states. Kansas, probably the shocking result of the night, at least in the commentariat. Very surprising result out there. Didn't have anything to do with a candidate either. Just a real hot-button issue. State of Washington, uh, a couple other things we're going to talk about. Joe Zemanski on Hertel right after this break. Uh, welcome back to Hurt Tell. We're talking to our good friend Joe Zemanski. He's our go-to guy out of elections-daily.com. Um, let's go to Kansas. This was the shock of the night for a lot of people, and it was a ballot initiative. It was a constitutional amendment. Uh, it was called the uh, Value Them Both Amendment. I'm going to read the amendment, and then we'll get into it. It was, quote, a yes vote on the measure would remove from the state constitution the right to an abortion and hand the issue back to the state legislature. A no vote on the measure would make no changes, keeping abortion rights enshrined in the state constitution. Again, this is Kansas. It went down almost 60-40-ish. This was kind of really a shock to a lot of people. We don't always talk ballot initiatives with you, but this is a big part of elections, these ballot initiatives, and this one really surprised folks. Yeah, so, uh, you know, this was part of the post-Obs era. Uh, Kansas was the first state to throw abortion on a referendum ballot uh, to send it to the people, and the people... Uh, pretty clearly gave their answer on this. Uh, you know, it's a, it's not even, it wasn't really necessarily tracking for an abortion ban. It was just uh, taking the right to an abortion out of the Kansas constitution. Uh, even that failed to a certain extent, because I think the growing concern was, is that that would immediately go to then a uh, direct abortion ban in some capacity in the state of Kansas. Uh, 
surprisingly, and I say this, I say this certainly with some amount of sarcasm, but surprisingly, uh, people don't like going straight to a direct ban of things to something that's been available for the past 50 years. People don't like going to a direct ban on it for everything, potentially, uh, even in uh, serious cases of rape or incest uh, or uh, health of a mother. People don't like that. Uh, and voters don't like that. We've known that for a long time. And uh, Kansas voters, even in this deep red state, certainly showed that uh, last night. And, you know, I think the total margin was a surprise to me. I wasn't necessarily surprised that it failed, but the total margin was certainly surprised to me. A loss of about 18 points uh, for this referendum right there. Uh, certainly a statement uh, by Kansas voters, that's for sure, uh, on the state of what they wanted to look for in this referendum. Abortion is such a hot topic because everybody's got really deep and trench. You know, we're not changing a lot of people's minds on abortion. But data wise, election wise, we're starting to get some trends going here. Abortion, it means what you how you define the abortion, because if you just say abortion, people think different things. It's really starting to look like when you go to the ballot box in the general public, whether it's a red state, blue state or whatever, late term abortion, folks are pretty well against that. You start getting down in that 15, 12 week area. That's when people start pushing back and then you get below that. It kind of switch it. We, we seem to have, although it's a hot debate, we seem to have some numbers that we have a pretty well-defined spectrum here of where the public is at on this, don't we? I think I, I, I cannot disagree with that in any way. That's certainly the case. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's again, I think last night is a very, very clear statement from the people of Kansas to what they're looking for on this issue. I think it's a very, very clear statement, uh, undeniable what they're looking for. And again, just a, an incredibly clear statement on the issue, which is going to give uh, both parties something to consider now going into these final run-up months of the campaign here. All right. There was some actual elections involving people there, too. Um, Senator Jerry Moran got his opponent, Democrat Mark Holland, won a three-way race. Uh, how is Senator Moran looking for the general election? Uh, Jerry Moran, you know, this is Kansas. Uh, even though it did what it did on that abortion amendment, this is still a very, very safe race. Uh, Moran is a relatively popular incumbent here. Uh, he should have absolutely zero trouble in uh, in uh, victory uh, and winning the in winning Kansas uh, when the time comes yep. on election and night. He, he's very, very safe for re-election. Incumbent Laura Kelly, uh, she's getting a challenger, Republican Derek Schmidt. Uh, in the fall, he won his race pretty handily. Uh, any chance this governorship flip? We don't. We haven't been talking a lot about governorships because the the Senate's going to be very very tight, especially with some of the uh, candidates the GOP has nominated. We're pretty sure the House is going to flip. These governorships matter. They matter a lot. We haven't been talking about them as much. What about this Kansas governorship race? Yeah, it's been one of the premier gov gubernatorial races. Uh, I did an article about re about uh, recently at how incumbent governors are incredibly tough to beat. Uh, in uh, even in midterm years, there's only been about an average of two to three uh, since 2002 that have fallen. There's been basically, basically on average about two per midterm cycle that lose uh, in midterm cycles. Uh, Laura Kelly could be one of them. Uh, you know, this is a red year, still Kansas. Uh, Derek Schmidt is certainly no Chris Kobach. What Kelly does have in her favor is pretty strong approval ratings. Uh, it's been very, very hard to beat gubernatorial candidates. Uh, with strong uh, incumbent governors with good approval ratings in past years. It's happened before, but it's incredibly rare for it to happen. Um, this is going to be a close race. We have it at lean Republican at Elections Daily. We might be thinking about moving that back to toss up in recent days. We'll see what we do uh, come Monday when we release our next ratings uh, update. But however, this is going to be one of the closer gubernatorial races, but it is also probably still Republicans' best chance at flipping a uh, governor's mansion. 
as things stand right now in America. Interesting name on the undercard from those of us that are still having nightmares about 2020. You just mentioned Chris Korbach. He was one of the, he was kind of the greetings of the life cycle, although he's not as bad of a human being as greetings. They didn't want him on the ticket. Then he lost his Senate race. He's mounting his comeback. He won his primary for state AG. He's going to be facing Democrat Chris Mann. Kobach got a little comeback going, or is this going to be a dead end for him, do you think? I mean, it depends on what he does with it. Attorney General can obviously be a very active role. Kobach has certainly shown before that he will take active roles in these row offices before in Kansas. He did a Secretary of State. Uh, he will almost certainly will as Attorney General. Uh, but he's got to kind of serve out that term first, and we'll see what he does. Uh, because Kobach, uh, with this primary win, is certainly not uh, gone from our shores yet in terms of the political world. Uh, darn. It makes for good copy, but uh, I'm sure some of the Republican Party in Kansas are kind of tired of this. Let's go up north, Michigan. Uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, Whitmer, excuse me, the Governor Gretchen Whitmer uh, has been very high profile over the last years for a lot of a couple of different reasons. The COVID stuff, we had the bizarre case of the uh, kidnapping plot against her. Uh, she's up for reelection. She has her challenger now. Tudor Dixon, a businesswoman and a conservative commentator, won a really messy primary that actually involves some people getting kicked off the ballot. But we can talk about that in a minute. Uh, Dixon was a Trump endorsee, not really well known. Uh, got some DeVos backing, which, of course, that's a lot of money. Uh, where's this race going to be sitting at, do you think? Uh, right now, we have it at Lean Democratic. Uh, there again, Whitmer is another one of those incumbent governors uh, that has a pretty solid approval rating right now from the people of Michigan. Uh, the other issue right now as well, as you mentioned, this was just such a messy primary on the Republican side. Uh, Dixon in the end comes out of it clean. She was kind of the best of the rest after James Craig and Perry Johnson got kicked off the ballot uh, due to massive, massive signature fraud that was committed by people on their campaign, uh, you know, which is never a smart thing to do. Don't, don't commit signature fraud, folks. It's actually very, very easy to find out by the laws of our elections. Uh, but, you know, Dixon was kind of the best of the rest considering the field. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see how she does, of course, uh, in this campaign. Uh, you know, Michigan Republicans uh, also nominated some very, I guess you could say, interesting people for Attorney General and Secretary of State that probably won't make Dixon's job easier. Uh, of the three states uh, in the Rust Belt that Joe Biden flipped back from Donald Trump in 2020, Michigan was the state he won by the most. It has kind of the most blue elements around it. You know, you have a strong city, you have some swinging suburbs. Grand Rapids and Kent County, you see it swinging towards them. You've got the Oakland and uh, uh, Wayne suburbs switching very heavily, switching very heavily towards Democrats now. Uh, we really need to kind of see where this goes here. Uh, Michigan, certainly Dixon has a chance, you know, certainly she does. But right now we see Whitmer as a slight favorite. Yeah, my favorite tidbit on this on Dixon was uh, the AP at the bottom described her as a former steel industry executive I'm reading here who also hosted a conservative program on a streaming channel and once acted in a low budget zombie movie in what her campaign described as. And this is a quote, admittedly lame hobby. So no, no shortages of characters there. Uh, one last thing about Michigan. I have to ask you because we're going to be talking about this in a year or two. Uh, there is a new registered voter or I should say a a couple of them because they are a couple, but I think the new registered voter in the state of Michigan in the next few years might be something to keep an eye on as we're looking at some of these races go back Democrat and wide open. There's one 
certain transportation secretary that has moved his <laughs> flag to uh, Michigan. He's got to work. We, we're talking about Pete Buttigieg. We know the numbers from 2020. He's got to work on minorities. He's got to work on disparate groups, lower classes groups. Michigan got a bunch of them. What do you see the future of him there? Because that's not accidental. Uh, I, I, I say certainly him moving to Michigan is is at least a sign that he is at least considering running for office again. Uh, if he had stayed in Indiana, I'd say that means he was over other than potentially another presidential run. But the fact that he is moving to a state like Michigan or if he had moved to Virginia, uh, either or would have been a signal to me that he is looking for another run in office. He certainly could if he wants to. Let's not speculate here. We've still got 2024 and 2026 uh, to look forward to, but if he's not on the ticket in some way in 2024, it's not hard for me to see him uh, running for governor in 2026 to re- either against Judah Dixon or to replace uh, the term limited Gretchen Whitmer. Yeah, and there's some whispers about Whitmer getting bumped up, uh, whether she wins governor or not. There's a lot. She's very well liked in the Biden administration and the Democratic Party. So she may be moving on before the end of her term, either which way. Let's go out way west to Washington real quick as we wrap up what happened last night. Uh, Senator Patty Murphy Murray uh, got her uh, challenger now, Republican Tiffany Smiley. Doesn't seem to be in a whole lot of danger there, but stranger things have happened. How do you have that one? We have rated as likely Democratic right now. Uh, Republicans have shown some interest in Smiley. And I do want to hold some caution here. There's only about just there's only about 48 percent of the vote counted right now in Washington state. Uh, they released their mail-in ballots very, very slowly. Uh, hopefully we get some more today around eight Pacific time. Now, if we don't, the next rumor date isn't until Friday. Uh, so uh, it should be said as well that usually statewide, the later ballots are uh from uh, more right right wing leaning, so we could see that kind of that Democratic margin that we see in that race right now shrink down. However, I do think with this early drop, I think um, Murray's put herself in a pretty good position right now. Here, it's it's pretty hard to see this race being uh, truly competitive like it was maybe in 2010 uh, when she faced a legitimate cha- uh, legitimate uh, pretty legitimate challenge from uh, Dino Rossi, where she only won by about four and a half points that year uh, in that red wave cycle in 2010. Um, one other interesting tidbit, because they do top two voting in the state of Washington, found it interesting. Secretary of State, they've actually got an independent that came in second there. Uh, kind of odd for a state that's kind of known to be a Democratic stalwart, don't you think? Well, again, you know, this is uh, they, they base. I should say that Democrats only who have an incumbent there and in Steve Hobbs. He's taking that first spot right now. Again, only about uh, only about a 20, uh, excuse me, about 47, 48 percent of the vote counted right now. So it's uh, going to be interesting to see who kind of takes that second spot currently between uh, to face off against Tobbs. The actually the Washington Secretary of State office has been one that has actually been uh, held by Republicans in Washington for the last 50 years. It's been their one of their few statewide row offices they've held past the 80s, 90s, uh, when things took a turn for the worse in the state of Washington for them. Uh, yeah, but it'll be very interesting to see kind of where this race goes. It's the independent Anderson, and that certainly uh, changes the race on its head a little bit. And the kind of thing you see, you see where that race lies come, uh, should be come November. It'll be very interesting to see where that race lies, I would say for sure. What do we got to look forward to going forward? This was kind of the last of the big gloppy ones, but there's still some voting to do in there. Yeah. So there are still, the, I would say that, uh, uh, excuse me, that August is kind of really the, um, uh, kind of the last real uh, big key month, that's for sure, normally. 
as it as it typically is uh throughout the month i do want to say uh thursday actually we just do it have on thursday actually uh that tennessee will go vote uh tennessee of course the fifth district is a newly gerrymandered republican district uh cut out the area around nashville into on basically cut up nashville to multiple republican districts and uh now given the republicans a new seat the fifth district is now republican leaning so they can see who their nominee is for that there uh it'll be interesting to see as well here uh other weeks coming up here uh you know uh, August 3rd, excuse me, uh, August 9th, uh, I believe there are some key primaries as I look at the primary calendar dates here that I uh, have wanted here. Yeah, uh, August 9th, will have some interesting primaries. Wisconsin is on August 9th, as well as Minnesota and Connecticut. Uh, there'll be some interesting races to look at there when it comes to those nights. Uh, August 16th, uh, that is Liz Cheney's night. That's Wyoming's primary that night. So I'll be really interested to see that night as well. And then August 23rd, that's really the last big night we have. That's Florida and those New York congressional primaries that were delayed because of the uh, forced redraw of their maps. So really, we've kind of got the ninth, one state on the 16th in Wyoming, and then the 23rd. The 23rd is going to be our last big night of primaries before we drive into that uh, general election cycle. And we'll be talking to you throughout all of it. Uh, Joe Zemanski, always great stuff. Let everybody know about Elections-Daily, what you've got going on, uh, and where they can follow you on your social media until we get you back again. Yeah, so you can, uh, Elections Daily, you can follow at Elections underscore Daily on Twitter. Uh, we do every night. There's election night. We'll, we'll be out there on li- live stream on our YouTube, Elections Daily, or on Twitter. Uh, we live stream there as well. And you can follow me at Joseph Samansky, all one word. That's S-Z-Y-M-A-N-S-K-I for the last name. Uh, Andrew, thank you for having me on once again tonight. We'll keep doing it. Uh, we uh, got all those things linked to the uh show notes you can find him and all his compatriots they are a riot to watch always appreciate you my friend we'll talk again soon thank you very much yes sir When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. 
And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.